0: Hello everyone, I'm your host Patrick, and welcome back to another episode of Not Adding Up. This week, I have a new co-host along for the ride. I brought my friend Presley on the show. Hello! Presley is an old friend of mine as well as a very avid listener. She always lets me know how she feels about the cases, which I appreciate very much. And we've been trying to find a time to get her on the show for a little while now. And this case is definitely, definitely a doozy to have her on. It's. I don't think... I have any business. I didn't have a case last week, I just kind of got a little behind with my work schedule, so that took priority. But I'm back this week with another case, and I plan to continue my Saturday cases. But without further ado, let's get into this week's case. And I kind of have a pretty simple title for this week's case because it's an infamous one. So, this week's case is the Springfield Three. We're going to start on June 6th, 1992. Suzanne Susie Streeter and Stacy McCall graduated from Kickapoo High School. Kickapoo, I think that's an interesting name. I wish that was our high school name. Kickapoo. Susie was 19 and she was a very outgoing young woman. At the time of graduation, she was working at a local theater, and she had aspirations to follow in her mother's footsteps, who was a cosmetologist. A quote from one of her friends about Susie is, she was very outgoing, fun, and happy. Susie was a creature of habit, almost OCD to some degree. There were some things I teased her about, where she parked the car on her driveway was always the same. And that'll come up again later, but just... A very sweet and bubbly person. Stacy Kathleen McCall was 18, and was also described as a y- lovely young woman. She had aspirations to attend Southwest Missouri State University in the fall, and she would also model wedding gowns on the like on the side. She worked at a gym and modeled wedding gowns on the side. I'm like, damn, bitch, got a side hustle in high school truly i, I was even proud of through
1: third period <laughs> yeah
0: i was like i was proud of myself for having a job and she was like got two jobs all right and i'm going to college a quote about stacy she was so funny and bubbly and she would do things and we called her spacey stacy because she j- would come out with things that would just be so space cadet space cadet like so that's kind of interesting but i think just kind of like a maybe like ditzy almost is what i get from that fun spacey way to Stacey. describe your friends yeah <laughs> spacey stacy so this night june 6th 1992 was their graduation night and stacy would go out to eat with her family after the graduation ceremonies her mom remembers that she immediately went to change when they got home and her mom was like wait a minute hold up we got to get the pictures first all right it's like slow your roll so she was ready, Stacy was ready though, to get out and celebrate with her friends. For reasons that will become apparent, what Susie did with her mother, Cheryl, after graduation is unknown. However, what we do know is that the two girls would find themselves at the same party later that evening. This party was at a mutual friend's who lived in Battlefield, Missouri, about 10 miles away from Springfield. The two had plans to stay the night at the party, however it turned out to be a little more than expected and neighbors would file a noise complaint, so the girls decided it would be best to find somewhere else to stay that wasn't quite as crowded. Some articles say it was a hotel, some say it was a house, so it's really not very clear where this party was taking place, but there were noise complaints and they decided it was best that they didn't stay there. Susie and Stacy were described as old friends. It seems like at the time of graduation and the party, they were by no means besties. Susie fell in with kind of a bad crowd, which we will get into, and the two reportedly fell apart a little bit. Susie was the popular girl who dated a bad boy. Stacy was the pretty local model who hung out with the goofy crowd." Is a quote from a documentary. This is not to say that there was any bad blood by any means. I just want to clarify that it was not planned that she was going to stay at Susie's house for the night. They weren't like going to stay together on graduation because they were besties. So when the- did you have a question? no No, i didn't know if you were like raising your finger i was thinking when the crowded house or crowded hotel room whatever it was dilemma arose susie remembered her brand new king-sized waterbed and she offered for stacy to come stay the night which like hello 80s and 90s like i remember i had a waterbed when i was a little kid and i loved it it was my dad's old one
1: my mom always tells the story of draining her roommate's uh, water bed out the front door because she broke something of hers, and it was always such a hilarious story.
0: Yeah, my dad says <laughs> it was a pain in the ass to drain. You'd always have to, like, lug it to the bathtub. Because I guess, like, you never really think of And, like, how old is that water? It probably would smell terrible. Oh my god. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe it just feels like water just smell stale after a while. Oh, yeah. The two decided it was for the best and agreed to touch base with their friends in the morning as a large group of graduates had planned to attend a local water park the following day. So sometime in between 2am and 2.30am the pair would arrive at Cheryl Levitt's home. So let's talk about Cheryl a little bit. Cheryl is a single mother to Bart and Susie Streeter. She was divorced twice. While her relationship with Susie was a very close one, the same could not be said for Bart. Cheryl was a cosmetologist, as I said, and in her free time she enjoyed fixing up her home and her furniture. After graduation, it is known that she had plans to wallpaper a room that evening and at 11.15pm, Cheryl spoke to a friend on the phone and talked about some furniture that some furniture that she had plans to refurbish. This is the last time she was heard from. Just a little more background on Cheryl and Susie. They had just moved into the home two months prior to this incident, and Cheryl was pleased to be moving on with her life as she was recovering both emotionally and financially from a divorce with her second husband. She decided to relocate into a smaller, more affordable residence. What happened in between 2.30 a.m. and 8 a.m. on June 7th, 1992 remains a mystery to this day. We do know that the girls made it to Susie's safely as their cars were parked in the driveway, their purses inside with their keys. But when the next morning it rolled around, the group was getting ready to go to the water park and nobody was able to contact either Susie or Stacy. Concerned, one of their friends would go to their house to check up on them, and she took her boyfriend with her. They arrived around 8 a.m., and they noticed that a glass lampshade on the porch had been shattered. Other than this, nothing seemed out of place. However, one of their her friend noticed that the car, Susie's car, was parked in it, the place that it wasn't normally parked. So like how she was OCD about that, mm-hmm. which is like they weren't like oh my god something happened here, but they were like mm, okay that's that's weird. Maybe it was just because of the so they got home late and her spot was taken. I don't know, but
1: it seems so odd though that if she's such a creature of habit that somebody would like park it where she would be.
0: Mm-hmm. They let themselves in the house because the door was unlocked. And they were greeted by a very aggravated Yorkie whose name was Cinnamon. Cinnamon was clearly upset, going crazy, yipping and yapping. I can imagine. Yorkies, I've never met a quiet Yorkie. I've never met a small dog that likes me. I don't think ever. They all hate me.
1: (laughs) I feel that. The dog has to be over like a foot tall for it to be.
0: (laughs) It has to be a big dog, and then it loves me too much, and I'm like, all right, stop. You're smothering (laughs) me. But. Yeah. I got a soft spot for, like, pit bulls. Oh, me too. (laughs) They're so sweet. In an innocent gesture, their friend's boyfriend would sweep up the glass from the lampshade on the porch for Cheryl, not realizing he was contaminating essential evidence. They would grow concerned when they found all of the girl's belongings, as well as Cheryl's, inside of the home. This included clothing, purses, IDs, car keys, and cigarettes. The lights were off. However, the TV was on. And I don't know what it is about TVs being on in like a silent room and like with a creepy situation already. Right. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm just, there's something about like you sitting at home and enjoying your comfort show. And then something bad happening. And then your comfort show just continuing to play. And then the room just being silent. Like, that is... Whoa. I think
1: it's the same, like, principle as, like, if somebody gets into, like, a car accident. And, like, on the radio, it just oh. continues to play. That's, oh, yeah. That freaks me out. I've, I've been in that
0: situation. Like, I flipped my dad's car. And it was just, like, blasting music. And, and like, I removed that song from my playlist. Because any time it came on, I was like, oh, my God. Why am I feel? Oh, yeah, that's why I feel this way. But yeah, that is literally, no, the radio does not stop. It plays as loud as you had it.
1: Oh, and then for me, it's always creepy coming back to like a hotel room and like housekeeping turned your TV on and left it on. You walk in and there's people talking and you're like, what's
0: going on? Oh, girl, <laughs> girl, for reasons I think you can assume housekeeping don't be coming in when I stay at hotel. <laughs> okay, housekeeping don't be coming in. We, we put up the don't, do not disturb sign all week and we take care of ourselves <laughs> and we then we check out. All right. That's what we do. But that would be creepy. That would be very creepy. But yeah, just the fact that the TV was noted as on. They would go through the girls' purses and find almost nine hundred dollars in Cheryl's purse, making it clear that robbery was not a motive. It was also noted that both Cheryl and Susie were chain smokers, so neither of them would have left their cigs unless it was a rush. A upsetting note. In the fridge an uncut graduation cake was waiting to be eaten it looked pretty clear that the girls got ready for bed they had taken off the clothes that they wore to the party and there was a damp rag in the hamper assumably used to take, to take off their makeup as well as their jewelry on the bathroom counter while her friend was looking around the home Their phone rang. On the other side of the phone was an unidentified man who kept making crude sexual comments. The friend assumed this was a prank call and hung up the phone. An eerie happening, to say the least. And they, yeah, they, they kind of chalked it up to a prank call, but that's just like, oh my god. It's a very eerily timed prank call.
1: Right. By this point, they didn't suspect anything at all?
0: Well, they were definitely worried. I don't think they... I don't know when they started to suspect something bad happened, but they were just like, this is not normal. Like, the fact that they have everything that they need here, and they're not here, and it doesn't look like a commotion. Like, nothing was out of place other than the glass lampshade being broken.
1: Hmm.
0: But you know who was a little bit more worried than her friends? 10 30 that same morning janice mccall stacy's mother who had been trying to get in touch with her daughter headed to levitt's she would originally call the house of the friend that they planned to stay which okay i'm like that was in the documentary and that was coming from her she was saying that in an interview so i'm like calling the friend she wasn't calling a hotel room i feel like it was a house i feel like it was a house but she was calling the friend that they originally planned to stay with and she said no they went to stacy's or not stacy's excuse me Susie's. And that's why you, that's why she called there. No answer. So she was like, all right, I'm pulling up. So she did. And it was unclear when she would officially arrive there, but most articles refer to it as sometime in the afternoon. One article gave the period of like, from like two to six or I think it was around there. Yeah. But sometime in the afternoon. She arrived and found the home like the girls did. No sign of a struggle. It looked like the girls had gotten ready for bed. The purses were lined up by the stairs. She would call the police from their home phone and reported them all missing. So then you can definitely say that we're, they're worried now. <laughs> mm-hmm. she, that's a mom. The mom's like, oh, all right, yeah. we're calling the damn police. <laughs> Especially, like, if you're going and the mother of that house has gone too. Like, this is scary if it was just two young women. But the fact that it was two young women and a middle-aged woman is just like... Yeah. Because Cheryl was 47. Janice would check the phone's answering machine to see if it had any clues as to the whereabouts. And she would stumble across a very disturbing message. This was another sexual message that had been left on the machine. However, it was accidentally deleted before police could analyze it.
1: You're kidding.
0: And it seems like police do not consider this call connected to the prank call that the younger girl received. So, in my opinion, it must've been darker. must It must've been something that was like, all right, this maybe it's not a prank, and they weren't connecting the two, which I'm like, how can you not connect the two? Right. But I don't know. There might be something that they're keeping under wraps. On June 8th, a search warrant was obtained that allowed police to look inside the home However, at this point, dozens of friends and family members had been throughout the house, and they essentially contaminated the entire crime scene. They even went above and beyond and cleaned up the home a little in hopes that their loved ones would return momentarily, which is, like, sweet, but also, like, damn. thing. Yeah. That kind of fucked up the whole...
1: Wow. Like, the moment you think something's wrong, it's like, don't touch anything.
0: But as we'll get into it kind of seems like Whoever did this, like, might not have even had to enter the home at all. Like, it might have, like, it seems like they, he, they just had a reason to get them all out, like, ASAP.
1: Mm.
0: But we'll get into that a little more. A search of the house came up with a clue in Susie's bedroom where the blinds had been pulled apart, giving investigators the impression that somebody had forced them to look outside quickly. And this is only mentioned very briefly, so take it with a big old grain of salt. Definitely reminded me of the first case that I covered. But a quote from Janice is, it turned out that there was a lot of devil worship and satanic things in Susie's room. But that really doesn't seem like it has any sustenance or connections to anything But that was just mentioned. While it is pretty unsustained, it is known that Susie had been in a relationship with a not-so-reputable character who was recently busted in a grave-robbing scheme where he and his friends broke into mausoleums and took the gold teeth out of skulls what so that's yeah that's like literally the scummiest of the scum scumbags out there
1: grave robbing oh my god
0: <laughs> i feel like that's like some like
1: that's a 14th that's a
0: century new low <laughs> literally, for gold teeth for gold teeth like oh they going god. into the skulls mm.
1: wow that's such an elaborate thing for maybe like
0: four gold teeth and they like really must not have any sort of belief in an afterlife or paranormal or anything like that because that's literally the baddest of juju like fucking with the dead after they're resting is never a good thing to do
1: you imagine right. that guy calling his friend being like hey you want to go
0: rob some graves with me we're go get like 10 teeth to <laughs> sell and like when they would go to turn them mm-hmm. in just like going in and casting in a bunch of gold teeth like where the hell did you get these boy? Like, just lying around at the dentist? No, I don't think so. Susie was not okay with this and ended the relationship, and he was also known to be involved in drug activity as well as associated with a motorcycle gang. But he was looked into and cleared by police. One last piece of unsettling information about this boy is that Susie was supposed to testify at his trial for grave grave robbing and obviously since she is missing she cannot do so. Janice McCall would immediately get in touch with the media about the story and within a few days the home was considered a crime scene. So now we're going to talk about some tips and suspects that have emerged over the years. The first major tip was that the morning of the disappearance, a woman saw Susie driving a green van and there was a man with her yelling at her to get out of there. Another report says to not do anything silly or stupid so it doesn't really, there was a few sightings um, and it just seems consistent that it, it was a woman who looked like Susie and a man who was yelling at her. This tape, This tip was taken extremely seriously and the police even got the same van and put it outside the station in hopes of jogging some memories. They would look into the surrounding areas around the time of the tip and discovered a similar van that was parked in a dentist's parking lot on June 3rd and 4th. While there were multiple sightings of the van, sadly, it did not pan out to the discovery of Stacy, Susie, or Cheryl. Police even went as far as to hypnotize a man who they believed. Who believed he had seen the van but couldn't remember the plates, which proved unsuccessful. Such an interesting police tactic. Let's just hypnotize people. Yeah, I had a whole like chapter about hypnotization in one of my last psych classes, and it was very interesting to wow. read about. It's all about suggestibility, though. Like I could never—I don't think I could be hypnotized because I don't think I could let myself like it, like
1: lose control yeah. of your conscience. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: This next tip kind of pisses me off. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's literally, I'll break it down to why I don't believe it, but... A server at George's Steakhouse, which was a favorite favorite establishment of Cheryl's, reported seeing the women between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. on June 7th. The three women entered and left together, and she noted that Susie appeared to be intoxicated investigators never confirmed this but it seems like a big old stretch to me like a stretch i would do after running 10 miles like this is a big long stretch for this to be legit the girls would have to have gotten home taken off their clothes that they had on for the party waking woken cheryl up convinced her to go to george's steakhouse in the middle of the fucking night go to george's steakhouse have their meal all within like an hour because they got home between 2 and 2 30 and this was in between one and three so make that make sense i that, can't unless i mean unless cheryl met them there but like how would i just i don't know i feel like she they would have had to have made that call around other people so other people would have known that they like made a call to have 2 a.m. dinner with their mom right
1: and and you said before that the girls are usually like communicative towards like their friends and stuff because they went to the party and then they were like we're both going
0: here yeah yeah it seemed like they were all very yeah communicative with each other so i don't know about that next a few articles mentioned a transient man which do you know what that means? Because I didn't. It means lasting for a short time or impermanent. Who is seen in the area multiple times? And like it was like multiple articles using that same word. And I'm like, we can't. We we got synonyms, okay? <laughs> like, come on now. I don't know. I don't. I feel like my vocabulary isn't tiny. I feel like I know most words, and context clues told me what it was. But I was still. I still had to Google it just for just to know. This transient man was seen in the area. I might be even pronouncing it wrong. Tran- transient. T-R-A-N-S-I-E-N-T. Transient. Somebody's probably going to correct me. He had shorter length hair. This was brown hair. And he had a beard. So, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: So every generic man. Every I like,
0: man. <laughs> generic. That just like makes me think of the Robert Weichel case. Because I watched a documentary and... the guy that was guilty there what was his name i can't remember myron Mm, there it is wow well he was estimated i'm off track this transient man was estimated to be in between 34 and 38. but nothing really came from that either in december of 1992 there was an episode of america's most wanted that aired on this on the springfield three And a caller would contact the show with key facts on the case that didn't seem like they were available to the public. When America's Most Wanted tried to connect the caller with the police, they disconnected and were not able to be contacted. Now we're going to get into a hard suspect, not really a hard suspect, but a name. This name is Steve Garrison. And this man was an acquaintance of Susie's ex, who was looked into for a possible connection. Around the time of the women's disappearance, he was arrested for a violent assault on a female student, for which he received 40 years. He would offer up information as a part of a plea deal, and he said he overheard someone at a party confess to the murders and offer details that were not available to the public. His info would lead police to search two locations in hopes of finding the bodies and the van. The searches took place on August 28, 1993, and one of the locations was owned by a convicted murderer, Francis Robb Sr., who was convicted in 1990 for double homicide. Police found something, but it is protected under a gag order, which is interesting maybe it has to do with this case maybe another case i don't know but that was long literally 30 years ago
1: and it's still protected
0: from from now the most recent article that i wow yeah there's nothing mentioned like nothing has been found of use (laughs) so and only one article talked about the gag order too so i'm like okay that must be really under wraps Both of Cheryl's ex-husbands were looked into, but nothing was found that could be used to substantiate any claims or accusations. But now we're going to get into the most likely suspect, and that is Robert Cox. Robert Cox was serving a prison sentence in Texas in 1997 for aggravated robbery. He had previously been sentenced to death in Florida. However, the ruling was thrown out on a technicality. This was for the murder of a young woman. After it was disposed of, he moved to, can you take a guess, Springfield, Missouri. (laughs) And this was just weeks before the disappearance. Cox was a highly decorated army ranger at one point, receiving the honor of Soldier of the Year. However, it clearly seems like he went down a very dark path, but it also seems like he knows how to get a damn job done. Like an art, a metal receiving army ranger probably did the damn thing well. Yeah. He was looked into during the time of their disappearance, but he was cleared due to an alibi. However, when his ex-girlfriend would refuse to continue to support this alibi, things got sketchy. Something else that is sketchy is that Stacy's father worked at a local car dealership with Robert Cox, and he could have very well seen Stacy visiting her father there. In a recorded interview, Cox said, and I quote, I know that they're dead. I'll say that. I know it. Yeah. I just know it, that they're dead. But that's not my my theory. I know that. Yeah. He is currently 63 and still serving his sentence in Texas. He will be up for parole in March of 2025. He said that he won't say anything else until his mom dies. And I am like, "Ah, I assumed that she would have been dead, but I can't find his mom's name anywhere. And all I can find is an article from January of 2022 that says she is still alive and that they lived in California like at the time of the crime, I believe. But I mean, it's probably protected under great reason, but (laughs) people are probably gonna fucking when are you gonna die, we need to know this information. That's awful, but the fact that he's saying that, which he's probably not gonna say anything when she dies, but this is kind of like the last, the last lead, if you will. And it came from a freelance journalist Apparently received a tip from a psychic that the bodies of the three women were located under a hospital parking garage in the area She would acquire the assistance of a mechanical engineer who scanned the parking garage with With geometric detail recovery question mark. I don't know what that is really But that's what he used apparently This is a quote regarding a conversation that she had with the engineer. He said, I am getting two images over here and one over here. And that's when I said, oh, I'm working the disappearance of three women. And he said, well, that's exactly what, well, this is exactly what I see when I go over old graves. While she feels this is strong evidence, police are reluctant to look into it with it being based on a psychic tip also the garage was built following their disappearance about a year following further some skeptics say the technology used wouldn't be able to determine if there were bodies or not i am no mechanical engineer so i'm not going to put my input there because i just questioned whatever they even fucking use i have no clue but it, while that seems like kind of like a sure thing, it also it doesn't at the same time. Like,
1: well, wasn't it? I think I just listened to a case this morning where they took a psychic's tip and it was like correct, and they knew
0: exactly where
1: the remains of a victim were. And also, my last
0: case had they didn't like take a tip, but like the family members were they were contacted by a psychic, and then kind of like the same thing. But there's so many cases where psychics contact, and then it's nothing too so it's just and they would have to like demolish the garage so it's like a it's a big expense yeah to take
1: so this mechanical engineer basically has an x-ray building machine (laughs) it's what it
0: sounds like to
1: me well I don't know I think it's
0: like scanning the ground underneath it okay so like detail recovery as in like showing the detail and like a chart I have no clue I did not go to school for mechanical engineering. I did not go to school for any engineering. <laughs> no, thank you.
1: I feel like that could probably be dismissed because don't you have to, in order to put a building up, you have to like excavate the ground you're working with, you know, don't you?
0: But yeah, yeah. But I feel that is pretty, and that's probably one of the main reasons why police are so. like, it was built after Yeah. a year after. So if it was there, then probably would have found it. But yeah, I don't know that that they they are leaning they're leaning more towards cox knows knows something about something but this this lead gets a little weird kathy says that she knows what happened but she won't tell quote i'm sorry you don't think i'm giving you the answers you need or you want but i live here and yeah i'm afraid for my safety we've been boxed in by cars before somebody came up to me and asked if i was kathy and i said yes he said well, the people I work for will make you disappear, too. I've been advised to leave the case alone, said Kathy. She will not disclose who is threatening her. That almost seems, like, hard to believe. But that's very bold of me to say. But I don't know, like, if you're a journalist and you know the conclusion of a groundbreaking story, yeah, I feel like you would risk it all. I feel like journalists yeah. are, like, like, notorious for, like, risk being putting themselves in dangerous situations to get a big scoop.
1: Yeah. Well, isn't there also like, maybe this is not what I'm, what we're thinking of, but isn't there things like witness protection where if you are involved in like a high profile case and can offer information that you can get protection from yeah, law no, enforcement?
0: That, I definitely think that that's a thing. It might just be a movie thing that oh, exists. Like, I don't maybe. know, but I've never really see, like heard about it or like looked into it in like a real case, but it's definitely something you hear about. Yeah. So I don't know, but I would, you would assume, you would assume if that was the case, then. But then again, how, how effective can that be? Yeah. Like how much are the cops getting paid to protect you and how much the black market people getting paid to kill you?
1: That's a a fair comparison. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I guess maybe it is me like backing her up after coming at her. I'm like, I don't know. But then I'm like, well, maybe the police theory kind of like the general one is that a single man could have used a cover to enter the home or lure the women out potentially a police officer or a utility worker like posing as one of those locals disagree with this and believe that it was more than one person the main reason police don't buy this is because they feel somebody would have talked by now because it's been over 30 around 30 years so over now yeah over 30 years their main suspect at this point is Cox. Over the years, numerous searches have been conducted ground searches, digs, etc. Cheryl and Susie were declared legally dead at the five year mark of their disappearance at the request of their families. Over 20,000 missing persons flyers were printed, over 5,000 tips have been logged, leads have been followed into 21 states in this case, still haunts Springfield, Missouri. I am just, like, at a loss with so many things in this case. Like, the fact that the house was in perfect condition Mm -hmm. and none of their items were taken. Why would they have left all of their belongings in such a hurry? Who or what was removing them from the house?
1: I'm, like, if it's if they know they gotten like, the the girls got ready for bed because of, like, the damp washcloth and all that stuff, it's, like, if those girls were asleep, that's, like, I don't know. When I was a teenager, I do not want to get up in the middle of the night, you know? Like, mm-hmm. once I'm asleep, I'm done. There's, you know, nothing that can really hit me up. Yeah, buying, it seems like, like an
0: emergency. It seems like maybe they were the ones that got the first warning because, their the blinds were, like, in her right. room. So...
1: Maybe it was somebody, well, everybody probably says this. Maybe it was somebody that they knew and they were like, what are they doing here?
0: Yeah, no, that is definitely a commentary because they, they had to be somewhat comfortable with them because there's no sign of a struggle. So it had to be like a utility worker, maybe saying there's a gas leak or a police officer saying something and like, what could it, like they were efficient with getting them out of the house quickly because if a smoker is forgetting their cigarettes, they're in a panic. And this panic wasn't a struggle because there's not, it's like everything's in place.
1: Right. Well, then if it was like something like a gas leak or, or something like an emergency within the house, wouldn't they have taken the dog? Like I wouldn't leave my dog in the house yeah, if there no, was a
0: gas leak. That's true. That was just like me kind of like thinking, but like, yeah, if it was like an emergency to get them out yeah. of the house, they probably would have taken the dog. Yeah. Didn't think about that. But I don't know. They didn't take anything. Yeah. Like, not even... It's hard.
1: Well, and if... You said that their purses were, like, lined up. Mm-hmm. That feels, like, almost planted. Placed, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, who... Especially, like... Um... Not... Um... Not Stacy. Susie? Is that the Susie ones? is the... First girl's name? Yeah,
0: Susie is, uh... Cheryl's daughter.
1: Right, so if she was staying at this not really a friend. Okay, that that is
0: Stacy. Stacy's staying at the not-really-a-close-friend not, not really a close friend, friend's house, yeah. Okay,
1: well, like, if she's, like, staying there, I feel like I would leave my purse just out in the open. So it's like, I don't know, maybe they... That's so
0: weird. It does seem like, I don't... It seems like maybe that was, like, the place for them. Um, because most articles said that, and... Like, I don't know. That That's definitely a good point. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to say. And it's... Yeah. It's just so eerie to think about. And, like, in the middle of the night. And the phone calls, excuse me. Yeah. Like, it seems like the first one, they were watching the house and they knew that they were in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But they never got to, like, examine any of that because it was deleted? hmm
0: Well, and then, like... You have to think, like,
1: if the girls were, I'm assuming, in their bedroom, and then the mom was watching TV at three in the morning? Or, like...
0: Well, it seems like she went to bed. She had, like, a book that was laid on it, like, mm. on her, like, nightstand, and her bed was slept in. Hmm. Noticeably slept in. It doesn't seem like the other girls, like, even, like, really got to go to bed, for sure, or not. It's not, mm. it's not mentioned, but it does say that, uh... Cheryl's bed was slept in and I cannot imagine that nothing would be broken in the house if three grown women were fighting for their lives one of which was a mother protecting her child like right it doesn't seem like there was any sort of a fight or struggle
1: which is why it's like it has to be well in my brain it would have to be like somebody they knew or like a, a authority figure. authority figure yeah
0: Hmm. And something else that's worth discussing is if they were targeted, was Stacy just in the wrong place at the wrong time? And was it Susie and Cheryl being targeted?
1: Yeah. Well, because the father of Stacy or Susie that worked with...
0: And that's what I was going to say. This seems somewhat unlikely because we have the main suspect working with Stacy's father. And mm-hmm. it's like the, all of their names start with S, so it's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but Stacy father worked with Robert Cox and she was staying with Susie who lived with her mother Cheryl Mm.
1: alliteration you know that I mean that him as a suspect could make sense and like maybe he saw her at the dealership and then was like obsessed because how would he know that she would be at you know Susie's house unless he was like obsessed with her tailing her at this party that she was at
0: honestly yeah. to me it seems more like he just knows who did it and he was just in a scummy crowd and like mm. he knew of her and like maybe was like oh my work buddy's got a real nice piece as a daughter some gross thing like that Ooh,
1: that's probably true <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I just that could be because the fact that I don't know the fact that he's just so willing to talk about it makes it seem like he's not and the other guy said that he was at a party and heard somebody talking about Willie, so maybe it was just like a scumbag Missouri scumbag party, and everybody was there talking about who they've murdered and assaulted. Oh God,
1: <laughs> I don't even want to think about that, because that's probably. Yeah, it is so weird. It's
0: weird to think about like people like that like getting together, and like talking about that, like not being <laughs> shunned criminal by support the taboo, <laughs> literally. Ugh. Yikes. Ugh.
1: That just, like, makes my skin mm-hmm.
0: crawl. Mm-hmm. But I just can't make this scenario make any sense if it wasn't methodically planned out. Yeah. Like, it ha- It seems like it really had to be, like, every I was dotted, every T was crossed.
1: Right. Which kind of takes away the, like, them not... Uh, I, it just... But how would the, like, killer know that, you know these two friends that are not really friends were going to, like, spend the night. Which is what leads me to believe maybe it was, like, they were targeting, you know, Su- Susie and her mom.
0: Or, like, I guess maybe they could have just followed them home, too. But that that also seems unlikely because they wouldn't have known that they were going home, even, or any of right. that. Or, like, nah, maybe they were watching them from the party. Right. But, and then would just but follow.
1: I, I think you're right. They would have had to have some kind of plan. Because if they were following these girls home, it's like, do they know that it's just the mom? How would you know that there's not a dad there? How would you know they don't have siblings, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: How do you know they don't have a bunch of guns? Yeah. <laughs> or their dog's are Rottweiler, not a Yorkie. I don't know. I could definitely ramble for hours about how much this case makes my brain hurt. But... Is there anything else that has stuck out to you that we haven't really talked about?
1: I don't I don't think so. It's It's like, it's making my brain kind of turn into spaghetti, honestly. Mm-hmm.
0: Because it's just like, there's really nothing. Right. It's just it is banished from their house.
1: That's, uh, that's and crazy. And the fact that it's
0: the mom and the two daughters. Right. And the van sighting is very creepy. Much more sustained than the Georgia Steakhouse sighting. Yeah, So,
1: let's go to the Georgia Steakhouse at, you know, two in the morning.
0: After we just got back from the party and we have to go to a water park at 8 a.m. That, like, the entire time researching that, I was like, that's fucking crazy. They were done, like, they were going to go at 8 in the morning to this damn water park. Like, damn, <laughs> y'all don't want to sleep in. Right. The day it'll, after it'll be there. It'll be there. <laughs> yeah. The day after graduation, I know y'all hung Sleeping. <laughs> I know y'all hung over. Come on now. Like, well, maybe not. Maybe they're better because they drove home. So, hopefully, hopefully not. This case is so sad, and my heart breaks for the McCalls and the family and friends of Susie and Cheryl. And this, it truly seems like it haunts the entire community of Springfield, Missouri. Like, it's definitely one that's stuck with that community. Kind of like the coeds here. Mm -hmm. But that one's unsolved. Well, yeah, so is ours, yeah. Unsolved ones do stick with the communities. That's been like 50 years. Well, thank you so much, Presley, for coming on the show. I hope that you enjoyed walking through a case with me.
1: I did. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You definitely did some pretty natural banter. A lot of times, people's first episode, they're always like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. But you're like, no. I was born. (laughs) Born for the stage, honey. But I would definitely have to have you back on another episode. I would love to come back. thank you everyone for tuning in this week if you want to get in touch with me and let me know about your theories or just chat maybe suggest a case for not adding up you can do so by following me on instagram finding me at podcast NAU. it's been a week and i literally was like wait what is it podcast n-a-u yes that is podcast n-a-u that's my instagram you can also follow me on tiktok that has a link to my email as well so if you want to get in touch with me about a case or maybe yeah just about a case or something you can email me you can also find me on facebook by looking up not adding up i really like it whenever you guys get in touch with me and tell me how you feel about the cases so please feel free to do so I hope everybody is having a great morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever it is you are tuning into this week's episode, and I hope that you tune in again soon for another case that just does not add up, literally at all. This one makes no sense.